What's up, guys? It's Zach with Hawks Film Room. Back here for the second episode of the Hawks Film Room podcast. If you missed our first episode, we had Brad Roll on a piece of hoops and locked on. Hawks come on the show to talk about lottery, some NBA general stuff outside of the Hawks. Um, today, we're going to talk about the lottery a little more, and we have uh, sort of a mailbag type of episode. I have four or five questions I'm going to answer that were submitted from uh, people from Twitter. So we're going to probably do, you know, mailbags every now and then. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Hawks Film Room if you want to participate uh, in the next one of those. But aside from that, we're just going to – I'll do a little bit of a lottery just summary for anyone who um, isn't sure about the pick odds and stuff like that. Um, So getting into the pick odds – uh, you can see here tankathon.com, a uh, great website for anyone who is not familiar. They have the pick odds for every team, for every pick. So if you scroll down here to Atlanta, um, apologies on the last visual if you're on YouTube. the I was not super zoomed in on the pick odds on the last podcast, so a little more zoomed in here. Um, you see Atlanta, 12.5 for number one, 12.2 for number two. 11.9 for the third pick, 11.5 for number four pick, 7.2% chance for number fifth pick, 25.7% chance for number six pick. Keep in mind that is the Hawks' most likely pick is the sixth pick. 16.7% at the seventh pick and 2.2% at the eighth pick. So a little bit of a rundown. Uh, the Hawks have a 25 0.7% chance at the sixth pick, which is their highest probability. Second highest chance is the 16.7 at number seven. Okay. And then you get their third highest chance is actually at the number one pick at 12.5. And then you get back into, you know, the top other two top three picks are, are around 12% as well, which gives them, you know, roughly a one out of three chance to pick in the top three. So depending on how you look at it, you can be negative and think, oh, my God, they have a 41% chance or 43% chance at picking six through eight. I mean, that, that doesn't sound great when you say it like that, but you'd also say they have, you know, about a 50% chance of picking, 57% chance of picking in the top five. So there you have it. Those are the odds. Um, who knows what will happen on Thursday night, but – those are the Hawks' chances. Um, move over to a question. And I'm just going to read it off. All right. At Michael Green ATL ask, how deep do you expect the Hawks' rotation to be next season when everyone is healthy? Trey, John... Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, Clint Capella, plus the pick are all going to get minutes. Do you think Deadman and Bruno see the floor much? What about Goodwin? Assume we sign two rotation players in free agency, point guard or a wing and a power forward. First part of that, how deep do you expect the rotation to be next season? Uh, I think that's going to be the main priority of the offseason for Travis Slink is just making sure there are like 10 to 11 quality NBA players on the roster. Because as we have seen, uh, having 
eight or nine NBA, quality NBA players that might be good for a week, and then two or three guys get banged up, and all of a sudden you have six. So having really eleven to twelve like solid NBA bodies is obviously the goal. Um, I think you'll see more like strategic one-year deals and two-year deals than like big twenty million dollar contracts, as has been discussed um, by Brad Roland on Locked On Hawks. It's just not. You can't go into a season with playoff declarations like the Hawks kind of had from back in March, if anyone remembers, when Lloyd Pierce and John Collins, I was at the practice. They were um, both speaking to the media after practice. We were talking about they wanted to make the playoffs next season. And I think everyone in the building is serious about that. And I think that starts at the top, you know, with the management and the front office. And the number one priority will be filling out that rotation. So I expect it to be a, a much, much deeper team next season. Um, if the team is not much deeper next season, this offseason will have been a failure. Um, and that's really not a hot take at all. I mean, if the Hawks go back in to the 2020-2021 season, you know, whatever it ends up being, um, you can't you can't you can't go back into next season with the same depth as last season. Um Deadman and Bruno I think Deadman will be the backup center if he's healthy. Um, Bruno will probably push for a few minutes here and there. Um, between Capella and Deadman, I think it's unrealistic for to say both. Neither one of those guys are going to miss any games, so I think Bruno will see plenty of playing time over the course of a full season. Brandon Goodwin, that entirely depends on you know what the Hawks are. Um, going to do this offseason i mean if they go if they bring back jeff teague and then go you know draft lamello ball or anthony edwards i mean you can obviously see how the minutes start to shrink for brandon goodwin uh it was harder for him to get minutes after teague came in last season but he still played well uh some of the time you know or you know a lot of the time when he was in there but on a two-way deal i think he's got like a hundred thousand dollar guarantee or something i mean just being you know realistic uh, his minutes are not guaranteed. Uh, if you know, if they get a chance to bring in one of the better, you know, backup point guards on the market, you know, you're just looking at some of these guys. I mean, obviously Teague is a free agent, so if they bring back Teague, you can already see. I mean, Trey's playing 30, 35 minutes, and Teague's going to play 20 minutes. So it's already you got to be creative to to get Brandon Goodwin in there right there. So think he's going to be more of like your 13th, 14th man on the roster. But if he is, I think that's fine. I think that's a strong roster. You know, if if Brandon Goodwin is reinforcements, if he's there, if someone goes down to step in, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, him being the primary backup point guard, I'm not saying he couldn't do it for a full season. I'm just saying you need two backup point guards because – no one is guaranteed to be healthy. No one is guaranteed, you know, in Goodwin's position, all respect to him. There's no guarantee that he's going to be playing well. So, you know, leave it at that. But big question as far as his minutes. Um, assume we sign two rotation players in free agency, a point guard, a wing, and a power forward. I guess two of those three. Um had the free agency list pulled up here. It's a lot of names to go through at once. But uh, we talked about this in the last podcast. So, um, go back and check that out with Brad Roland. But, you know, Mo Harkless, 
Jeff Teague. Uh, I would even be fine with Bazemore just as a depth thing. Justin Holiday. I mean, obviously, Fred Van Fleet, if you want to spend a lot of money. Uh, KCP would be a good depth option, you know, maybe even – I mean, KCP might honestly start if he came to the Hawks by the end of the season. Uh, I know you guys love the core and all these young guys and everything, but um, some of these free agents are, are better than the core guys right now. That's just the reality. So if they're able to bring in somebody like KCP on a two-year deal, I wouldn't be shocked if he, like, ended up starting – uh, especially if the younger guys started out slow. I do think the younger guys would have to play their way out of the lineup maybe a little bit, combined with Caldwell Pope, a free agent playing well. But my point is just, you know, Caldwell's played – I don't even know if he'll be he'll lead the Lakers, but he's played, you know, a lot more than those guys. And um, I honestly just love his fit with Trey. So whether he starts or whatever, I think if you bring in Caldwell Pope, you know, he's, he's taking somebody in the course minutes at the end of the game, some of the time at least. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's probably going to be one of your best five players as far as, you know, when it gets to a small ball and getting stops and shooting threes, um, you know, kind of a postseason type player. So I don't know if he'll even make it to the market. Um, Garrett Temple is another one we talked about. Just wrapping this up real quick. Chris Dunn. Uh, maybe look for some power forwards. As you mentioned, power forwards. Sarge is a restricted free agent. You might be able to get him out, but you don't want to give him too much money with the whole Collins thing. It's going to be really weird to give a power forward money with the Collins extension thing looming. You already have, you know, DeAndre Hunter who can kind of play backup power forward. Uh, I think Harkless or someone like that on a one-year deal is about as much as you're going to see a power forward. They definitely need to address it, though, so. All right, let's move on to another question. All right, Andrew, not to be mistaken with Andrew Kelly. Uh, Andrew at Indie Carrier on Twitter. What positions are we likely to sign with our cap space? Seems like there might be playing time. Or, sorry, seems like there might be a playing time crunch for some of our pieces unless we make a trade. Well, I kind of just talked about that. So I think the most likely is backup point guard with Teague, you know, being a free agent. It wouldn't surprise me at all if it is Teague or Chris Dunn or, you know, any of those guys we just named. Um, the other most likely position, I would say, is wing. Um, NBA teams need wing depth. So the Hawks, they have, you know, those young core wings, Hunter, Herter, and Reddish. But, again, you have to have depth. You have to have experience if you want to make the playoffs and go on a playoff run. You need that youth. You need that potential. You need those guys that are going to improve throughout the season. That lifts everyone on the team up. That gives everyone promise and optimism to have young talent. But you have to mesh that young talent with, you know, people who have won in the playoffs before or just people who have, you know, been part of a good program before. So I think the key to the offseason is adding, like, quality veteran, you know, if you really want to talk about a power forward, like, I don't think it'll happen. I think um, – I don't know. I could just – Paul Millsap, I could just see him staying in Denver on something less. Uh, Denver has a good thing going. And, you know, Millsap – 
obviously always been a winner. So if he stayed with Denver, I think, you know, that wouldn't surprise anyone. But if he if the Hawks could get him to Atlanta on a big one year deal uh, with all their cap space, I mean, hey, that might be something to do. I mean, Millsap would be, you know, the perfect kind of guy to bring in veteran. He could get a bucket. He could play defense. Good passer. You know, he does everything right. You can manage him through the season. You don't have to burn him out. You could use Trey Collins and all these young guys to get through the season. But, you know, like any good player, their team might not want to let him go. So moving on to the next question, uh, more tied into the lottery and the draft. Said, anonymous question. Based on some Intel boards I've seen, why do you think it seems like the league is so much higher on Tyrese Halliburton than draft Twitter? Is draft Twitter underrating him? Could he be a long-term glorified backup point combo guard that plays alongside Trey? By glorified backup, I mean the kind of backup that plays six, seventh man minutes. Okay, so I don't think it's like a bad thing if he's a backup, uh, especially if he's a sixth or seventh man Halliburton, that it is. I think the league is higher on him than draft Twitter because I don't really know the answer to that. Um Draft Twitter a lot of times just doesn't like older prospects and they'll really, you know, focus on younger guys and their potential, which is there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's plenty of examples of guys like, you know, Giannis and that stuff like developing from a young age and becoming something insane by the time they're 22 or 23. So I think it might just be the age combined with he's not the best athlete. Um, Me and myself, I am not crazy high on. Halliburton either uh I probably wouldn't take him in the top eight unless you know somehow my first four or five targets like Vassell Okoro uh obviously Lamelo, Hayes uh, even a Kongu I might just take over Halliburton uh that's a really tough call to make I would you know it's really tough to take a Kongu I think if you're the Hawks uh even if he is the best player available but I am not one of the people that is extremely high on Halbert, and I think he can shoot. I think he's a good secondary playmaker, but I'm not crazy about the defense. I know it's not bad, but I just don't know if I trust his size and like speed at the NBA. I don't know. I just feel like he's he's going to be guarding second and third options probably at best, and he's also a second and third option offensively, and that's just if he pans out. He could always just not, you know, be a good NBA player. Like any prospect has that chance of not working out. So to me, the upside just really doesn't justify it. I think around, you know, 12 or 13, you start getting more towards Halliburton. So I really don't view him as someone as a Hawks target uh, personally. Uh, if he does, though, become like like this uh, message, this person anonymously messaged in, if he does become a backup sixth, seventh man type, I uh, wouldn't look at that in a negative connotation. Okay, we've got one last question. Another anonymous message. Do you think the Hawks should shop the pick this year and bring in a bench scorer? I do think you should always shop your pick unless it's, you know, like I think we did say this on the last podcast as well, unless it's like a Zion situation. I think it's just natural to shop the pick. I mean, you always want to see what's out there. Um, So I definitely think they should shop the pick no matter where it hits in the lottery. I mean, I'm not saying you try to sell it, you know, and 
get sold short and just take any veteran player you can get. But I think you look at what's out there and, you know, you make your decisions from there. I will say if it was the number one pick, I would be more inclined to just take LaMelo Ball, even despite the fit. And I also think just kind of having that message out there, like putting that intel out to whoever, you know, Travis Link is going to put out intel to, putting the message out there that we want LaMelo, we like LaMelo, we think LaMelo and Trey Young will work. Uh, that drives the trade price up because people think you're serious. They think you you would actually pick him. So if, 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 ever, if you have kind of the feeling in the air that, oh, the Hawks don't want to play Melo and trade together, uh, you lose your leverage there in a trade. I mean, maybe you just want to take Anthony Edwards anyways, so you don't care. But anyway, regardless of whoever gets the number one pick, I think in this draft, it should be shopped. Um, as far as bringing in a bench score, I don't know if you directly mean tying into shopping the pick. I would probably not trade the pick. I would definitely not trade the pick actually with a bench score in mind. I would trade the pick for, you know, a good package of things that I thought was the best thing for the franchise. Uh, as far as a bench score, I think you go about that in free agency or you might even have a bench score on the roster. I mean, like I said about KCP, not necessarily that KCP is the guy they're going to try to sign and bring in to start over one of the core guys. But it is possible that one of the core guys, like you know Kevin Hurt, for example, could be on the bench next season because they brought in Fred Van Fleet, you know, KCP, whoever. Um, and the Hawks, I mean, Lloyd Pierce or, you know, the coaching staff could just say, okay, you know, we signed more of a defensive-minded 3 and D shooting guard let's start him next to trey and take advantage of herder's creativity and play him with the bench so it's not necessarily a thing about like who's better it's just the hawks might bring in someone that fits a little bit better next to trey and so you're going to try to line up those minutes a little better so but back to the the bench score thing uh yeah i definitely think they need whether they bring someone in and it pushes herder into the bench score or whether they directly go after bench scores uh, I think it's definitely a point of emphasis. A little bit of news this evening, the NBA and the NBA Players Association forming in-market bubbles for eight non-restart teams, obviously includes the Atlanta Hawks, September 14th to October 6th, sources say per Shams Charnia of the Athletic. Phase one would be September 14th to 20th, testing and individual workouts. Phase two would be September 21st, October 6th, Group training and campus setting, private living accommodations for all. Uh, NBA and NBA PA have reached an agreement for the eight franchises who are not part of the Orlando restart to conduct voluntary group workouts while residing in campus settings. So there you have it. Hawks and house bubble news. All right. So that's all the mailback questions we have time for this week. I appreciate everyone for coming on and listening again. Uh, again, the lottery is Thursday night at 8.30. Uh, I will be recording a show after the lottery Thursday night. Uh, we'll hopefully get some kind of Zoom call or something from Travis Link, immediate availability. Um, we'll let you guys know, you know, like we always do whatever we hear. So like, subscribe, 
rate, review, comment, you know, whatever you are on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, tell a Hawks fan. Appreciate it.